Are dictionaries fun? Most of us might say, maybe not. But Merriam-Webster says they're not only fun, but exciting, sociable, and bold. Today's guest is Lauren Natural, Content and Social Media Manager at Merriam-Webster. Merriam-Webster has grown a hugely popular Twitter account by creating a strong, relatable, and unique brand voice. Lauren is with us today to share actionable advice for creating a great brand voice on social media, no matter where you work. And it wasn't until several months in when people started to say things like, I never knew the dictionary could be interesting. And that was the first time I was introduced to the idea that we weren't supposed to be that way. I'm Haley Griffiths, and this is The Science of Social Media, a podcast by Buffer. Buffer is an intuitive way to manage your social media with powerful scheduling and analytics. Let's kick things off with my chat with Lauren. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining us on The Science of Social Media today. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have you. I've been following along with Merriam-Webster for a very long time on Twitter, so this is exciting for me. It's like a social media geeky moment. Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow. That's great. I'm really happy to hear that. (laughs) Definitely. Well, I know that you still play a huge part in it. Um, The reason that I initially came across Merriam-Webster's Twitter account is I think because you were in the media, because you have such a famous brand voice for speaking up about issues that are important to you as a company or defining things that are relevant in the news right now. I'd love to know maybe a little bit more for anyone who hasn't seen the the Twitter account for Merriam-Webster yet. How would you describe your your brand voice? So, the, I mean, the way that they've they've always described Miriam, even before I came on, is that we want to be authoritative without being authoritarian. The idea is that the people who work here are experts on the English language, and that is their job. But it doesn't mean that they're better than someone whose job is something completely different, who knows a lot about something that we might not necessarily know. The smartest people are people who are interested in the world and other people who live in that world and what they do and what they know. So we really try to keep that in mind when we're talking about when we're talking about language that we really just want to be friendly and funny and sound and reflect the real people who work here. That's awesome. I do. I absolutely find the Twitter account really funny too. So that is very cool. So how did, how did this whole brand voice come about? Cause it is a very strong and powerful brand voice. Like you are sharing words of the English language and that's powerful in and of itself. And, and then, you know, it's, it's gotten a lot of press attention for being so funny as, as well. So how did it, how did it, get started? How did the brand voice for Merriam-Webster get kicked off? Uh, so it, it really started um, before I was hired. We um, had some changes in leadership here. Uh, Lisa Schneider, who's our chief digital officer and publisher, came on and she, and she noticed that we were really just posting word of the day posts to Twitter we were posting them about twice a day and they were very dry. They were exactly like a dictionary would sound. (laughs) It was like reading the dictionary, literally. (laughs) But on Twitter. But on Twitter. Right. Just what everyone wants. (laughs) (laughs) And so she she made the decision that she wanted us to have 
uh, a funnier and more interesting voice that reflected the people who work here. My manager, Jesse DeWitt, um, he laid the groundwork for the for sort of the voice we have today, the idea that the dictionary is allowed to use emojis, right? That was... That <laughs> was uh, and then about a year ago, last January, they hired me as their first social media manager full-time. And I came on and I had this huge advantage, which was, this was my dream job. And I thought I get to show people how amazing the dictionary is. I get to talk about why language is great and be a cheerleader for language. That's going to be fun and amazing and terrific. And it wasn't until several months in when people started to say things like, I never knew the dictionary could be interesting. (laughs) knew the dictionary could be fun and that's what that was the first time I was introduced to the to the idea that we weren't supposed to be that way and I I, the first time someone tweeted that at me I had this how dare you moment like how dare you say that we're not the dictionary isn't interesting (laughs) that's really interesting so it almost like it came it came about naturally. This wasn't like a strategy meeting where everyone sat around the table and they were like, okay, Tuesdays, we will be funny. Like this is something that the team had decided had decided to just kind of go with the flow a little bit more. And that's how the brand voice was created. Honestly, yes. The brand voice is how we talk to each other in the office. <laughs> this, is not like, this is not a marketing construct where we had some kind of planning meeting and we wrote down a bunch of adjectives and then we crossed some out and then we wrote a few more. No, it really is just reflective of the personalities of the people who work here and how we feel about our jobs. I really like that. I like that it's not as much of an official brand voice. Like, you know, you see the you see the accounts that have like very official like and then today we are talking about this. And, you know, I think I see a lot of accounts that are like in government that do that. And sometimes it makes sense. But it's really fun to see. I think of Merriam-Webster. I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's a dictionary as like a more official. Well, you're definitely an official source of information. But to see you still have having fun with the brand voice. And so. It, it sounds, I really like that it's just kind of flowed naturally from the people at the office. Are there guidelines anywhere at all? Or does this just live within the people who run the account? There are not explicitly published guidelines. There are guidelines that we talk about, which are, you know, be respectful of people when they're asking us questions. <laughs> but that's not something most that's not something people here need to be told. We really just want to share information. So it's it's there are guidelines that are understood, but there's nothing written out. Yeah, that's very cool. I guess I'm trying to get a feel for how you created the the brand voice, but it sounds like it's almost constantly in evolution. Have you noticed that it's changed? Since even since you've started working there? I, it's definitely changed. It's definitely changed because we have gotten to know the people who follow us better. And we've had more conversations. And that has, I think, probably made us more confident than we were a year, than we were a year ago. Because we don't, we don't worry as much about 
whether people will be annoyed if we post an emoji. Will people take us less seriously if we post an emoji? No, because they use emojis too. (laughs) (laughs) So relating to the audience a little bit more with that one. Exactly, exactly. I think everyone's a little bit more relaxed than we were a year ago because because we have connections and we have connections with our audience now. There are people who tweet at us all the time uh, and it's kind of exciting to come online and say, oh, it's it's that, you know, it's that lady. She's she's great. She always has something interesting to say. That's awesome. Yeah. So are does anyone look over, do you like look over each other's tweets to make sure that it's on brand? Or like you said, is it, it, it's kind of like a matter of trust that everyone who could potentially be writing for the account, um, will definitely have the right brand voice. It's largely a matter of trust. If I have a question about something or I'm unsure about something, I will run it past other people. And I still do that. 99% 99% of the of the tweets we post are not reviewed mostly because it's understood you know mostly because the guidelines are understood and also just because there isn't time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You have to go pretty quickly. So what is your process for creating that content for social media and um, going through because you said so you said most of the articles that you're posting are articles that are written by other people. Um, do you go through them multiple times and use the titles or I mean, I, I think you spice it up a little bit more than that. I spice it up. I read the articles. I'm also I also have to edit the articles to publish them to the site. So we have this we have a team of uh, six lexicographers. A lexic- <laughs> yeah. Lexicographer is someone who works on the dictionary Um so the six lexicographers who write content, we have many more. We actually have more lexicographers than any dictionary in North America. But <laughs> <laughs> That's only, impressive. Yes, it is. But only six of them write, for the, write articles for the website. The rest are busy making a dictionary. <laughs> so six people who write these articles, after they write them, I go through them and I try to find the most interesting thing about each article right like yeah it's kind of like looking for the thesis statement in an essay but it's really if I was going to explain the most interesting thing about this in one sentence to a complete stranger what would I say yeah that's a good question and that's sort of a strange part of the job which I don't think people necessarily talk about as much is just reading comprehension it's like are you are you someone who's going to read through this article and boil it down to the point of the article and then share that so that people get this concentra- you know this concentrated description of what that is and that's not always the headline and sometimes you want to say something different from the headline so people have a little bit of extra information yeah absolutely so so it is more of a process of like reading content coming up with what the most interesting point is and then sharing that. And, and that interesting point, I'm assuming, so you don't just copy and paste something that was in the article. You kind of rephrase it yourself. Uh, I do both. 
Okay. I, if somebody make if someone says something I think is really funny or interesting and well phrased and it fits into 140 characters, sure, I will absolutely take that. <laughs> if that doesn't that doesn't always happen though, and I usually promote things more than once, so I, I do both. Very cool. And we've talked about this a little bit, but I want to come back to it. The idea, the concept that your brand voice is changing and constantly evolving. Have you noticed changes maybe from when you first joined and started the Twitter account to now? And do you track those changes at all or make sure that they're always in core related to, let's say, Merriam Webster's values or something along those lines? Or is there any check for the brand voice on social media? I think that when, if anything, I think because I've been with the company longer, I think that we have a, that I have a clearer sense of Miriam's values now and I'm expressing and I'm able to express them better. I think that when I came on, we're a descriptive dictionary, which means we've, we talk about how the language is actually spoken. We're not here to pass judgments. We're here to record the language, report on how people use it, and talk about it. We still do think that, and we still do think that it's important that people know. All right, this you know this usage is common enough that you will find it in the dictionary. Irregardless is a common enough word that we have an entry for it in the dictionary. It is a real word in the dictionary. <laughs> Does that mean you should use irregardless? If you are, say, a congressperson addressing your constituents, no, they will probably lose respect for you if you do that. Or they will laugh at you because because it's non-standard. And we have a label on that definition that says this word is non-standard. People will judge you if you use it. <laughs> that That's really how the dictionary, you know, that's how the dictionary works. I think when I came on, I was trying to be very, I I think I made more posts that were more strictly prescriptive and that were just lecturing to people about grammar. And we still make those posts, but I, but I am more familiar with the work that the lexicographers are doing. And I think that the things that we're posting now are more in line with the actual editorial voice of the dictionary. Yeah, definitely. So it took you a little, a little while to adapt to, what was going on internally and, and kind of like adjust social accordingly. Right. Which is, which is really part of what I talk about when I think about what's really important in this job is you do need to under, you need to really understand, you know, the understand the brand and understand who you're working with and have that knowledge. And I came into this with a fair amount of knowledge because I taught college English, but that doesn't mean I came into this with a great body of knowledge about dictionaries. Yeah, that makes total sense. So it let's say, so you, your social media accounts have definitely taken off since you've started there. Let's say that you wanted to add another social media manager to your team. How would you go about training them on the brand voice? I would, wa- so I would want them to talk to all of our um, editorial staff who work on the content team, I would want them to talk to the lexicographers who write content for the website, talk to them about what they do and what they think of 
as the, what they think of as the brand, because these are people, some of them have worked here for over 20 years. So they really, they really know this stuff inside and out. And they, there's just a, a wealth of knowledge there. Talk to them, learn from them. One of them, <laughs> um, one of our editors, Corey Scamper, is, has a book that's coming out called Word by Word. Read that. <laughs> read our articles, read our stuff. Um, that's, that's number one. It's just learn something about the company and then read the questions that people are tweeting at, us, tweeting at us with and figure out why people come to the dictionary because it's also a conversation. Figure out what, what should I expect? What do people usually want to know? And how can I give, how can I help them? How can I give them what they want to know? Yeah. Have you ever polled your audience? Uh, we have, um, we had a poll after the debates that had two quotes from the presidential debates this year. Um, one of which was words matter. And one was it's just words, <laughs> <laughs> which were both direct quotes that came from the presidential debate And we <laughs> on that. Uh, it turns out that a lot of people who follow Miriam Webster on Twitter think that words matter. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Those are, um, I think that was the last poll we ran, though. Have you ever done one where you ask people what they want to hear from you? No, we haven't. We haven't. That's an interesting question. It's interesting because because you've mentioned a couple of times that the audience has been so key in shaping your brand voice, which I find very unique because I think that maybe most companies will phrase their will create their brand voices from the inside out. And I do think that that's what you did as well, but I think that the outside has also influenced you from what I've, from what I've heard. So, you know, the comments that people are making just helps steer you in the direction that you might want to keep going. So audience feedback has been very powerful. And I think that's quite a unique strategy. Yeah, it has been very powerful, but we haven't done a poll or anything like that because we're already getting that feedback from people. Yeah. That makes sense. Maybe a smaller company would need to would need to pull uh, or you know ask a couple of a couple of different customers if they don't have people already reaching out. But I can imagine that you have quite an engaged audience that is excited to tell you their opinions. Yeah, we're ex- we're very lucky in that way. We really are. How how many followers do you have on Twitter now? Uh, we just passed three hundred fifty thousand. I think about three hundred. 352,000. Amazing. And I I think I read on your LinkedIn profile, in the past year, you've gained over 100,000 new followers on Twitter. Is that correct? Maybe even more than that. We've gained over 200,000 followers in the past year. That's an old, I haven't updated that profile. (laughs) (laughs) Time to update it by 100%. (laughs) to update it by a hundred percent that's so funny um that's amazing that's a you know an amazing increase do you think that having such a strong brand voice you know people people know what they're signing up for when they follow you on twitter um do you think that that has been helpful in terms of growing your social media channels and twitter in particular oh it's been tremendous it's it's been tremendous this idea that Suddenly people actually, people know who, the idea that suddenly people know who we are 
and are coming to us looking are coming to us looking um, for that voice. That's terrific. People have known who we are for a long time. They didn't realize we were on social. <laughs> right. I feel like they know you from, you know, their their English classrooms or something like that, but they yeah, they didn't know you in the online world. Exactly. Like a lot we still get this sometimes. We still get people saying, "Wait, the dictionary is on social media?" Yes. Yes. We're also online. <laughs> have an app we're digital we we're everywhere we're watching you (laughs) and do you think that so I think I think that how how funny and how personable your Twitter accounts are is probably a reason that people is probably a reason that people follow you do you think that's one of the reasons I yes I think that that's absolutely true I think that's absolutely true and I think when we began to get press, I was a little bit insecure that people were coming to us because we had these viral treat- tweets. Our viral tweets really drove a lot of our growth. It's not that we were not doing this. We were, you know, we were trying to be interesting all the time, obviously, but it's the viral tweets that send people to the account. And then people get there, and I was a little bit worried that people would would go away when we start posting articles about grammar. And they don't. They actually just really like, they just really like what we're doing. It's just that you need to do something, to do something interesting to get people there. So, you know, it's like, if we say a hot dog is a sandwich, and <laughs> it goes viral, and there are, there were, so many news stories about that. It was kind of ridiculous. We said a hot dog is a sandwich. The internet blew up. It was in USA Today. It was on the news. It was all over the place. And then people stay for, you know, less versus fewer. Or, you know, is it spelled, you know, which cord versus cord with a <laughs> H, like, People stick around for that because they actually are interested in language. They like what we're doing. They just want it just to be interesting. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, you know, your team probably always thought that what you were doing was interesting because you're on the inside, but it's all about relaying it to that outside world, to those people that may not have seen you before and really proving to them that what you're bringing to the table is worth them, you know, following along with. Exactly. That's awesome. So I'd love to go over maybe a few of your top lessons for creating a unique and practical brand voice on social. I definitely think this is somewhere where you are an expert in because I'm, I'm so impressed with the brand voice. So what advice would you give to others for creating a unique and practical brand voice? Be authentic. You, be authentic. Be real. You should actually know, you should know something about the brand and why people like it and what people are looking for from it. And you should like it yourself. (laughs) You should figure out what you like, you know, figure out what you like about the brand and then share that all the time. If you're faking it, if you don't actually like what you're, what you're talking about on social, people will know they can smell insincerity and inauthenticity a mile away. 
Definitely. Especially on the internet. You just can't hide things from people. <laughs> I, yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's just, yeah. So just be real. Talk, uh, be real. Keep the lines of communication open with the other people you work with. So that means if, if you know, so people ask me questions all the time that I cannot answer because I have not worked at Miriam 20 years <laughs> for 20 years and I'm not a lexicographer. And I, and if it's something I can't answer or cannot research myself, you know, I go to the other people I work with and I ask them, okay, for example, world building. It's a very common word. We do not enter it yet because we don't have enough evidence for it. Some people spell it with a hyphen. Other people do not. If someone wants to know what the most co- what the preferred spelling is for that, I have to go to the lexicographers and ask, is it world building with a hyphen or without one? Um, so yeah, communicate with people. Talk with other people. You don't have to know everything, but you should be able to talk to people um, who can answer the questions you can't answer. Absolutely. I love that. Also, it just sounds like walking around the offices at Miriam Webster is just like the most interesting group of people. They really are. And that's the thing. I just wish people understood. Smart people are really just people. You don't have to pretend to be someone else's idea of what a smart person is like. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Person. I like that. So it's almost like when you were defining the brand voice for social media, you took your own definition of what smart would mean. Because, I mean, of course, the dictionary has to be smart to a certain extent, but you added funny. And so I think that creating those characteristics and really deciding maybe two or three that you're focused on works. Because I think if you had tried to be smart and funny and five other characteristics at once, it might have been a little bit more difficult. Well, it's also, I mean, some of the funniest stuff that happens comes from funny things that people say to us. We wrote an article on balayage, which is this highlighting technique. Uh, you know, this is this, this highlighting technique for hair. And I thought, all right, I, this is probably going to be a judge. It's hard for me to, I don't know how many people are going to be interested in learning about this word for a type of hair coloring. And someone immediately sent us a photo, this um, reader we have who has been following us for a while and tweets at us a lot, took a photo of her hair, which was full of gray streaks and said, I'm just working on my bagrayage. (laughs) And then I retweeted it and it became a hashtag and it became a thing. And dozens of people started sending us photos of their graying hair with with this hashtag bagrayage all day long. And we had taken this thing that was hip and trendy and turned it into a safe space for middle-aged people to share photos of their gregging hair. <laughs> That's amazing. It's just great. It's just great. So just like be relaxed enough to that stuff doesn't happen spontaneously right away. But if you develop a relationship with your readers and you just keep at it, eventually stuff like that starts to happen and then it's amazing that's so wonderful i'm gonna have to go check out those photos there's yeah hashtag bagrayage <laughs> very cool unintentional campaign just created through you all being yourselves exactly <laughs> that's very cool well 
Wonderful. I I mean, we love to end each episode with three takeaways from you and in particular focused on having a strong brand voice on social. I'd love to know if you have three quick takeaways we can send everyone off with. Be authentic, listen to your audience and communicate with your coworkers. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. One of our buffer values is communicate with clarity. So that's very close to home for me. that's really what the dictionary is all about. (laughs) That's amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lauren. This is like a fascinating look inside how a dictionary runs a Twitter account. (laughs) Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Science of Social Media with our guest, Lauren Natural. And a huge thanks to Lauren for sharing her lessons for creating a brand voice on social media with us. You can say hello to Lauren on Twitter as at L-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-E. Or of course, she's behind the Merriam-Webster Twitter account, so you can say hello at Merriam-Webster. Brian and I are both always really happy to hear from you on social media too. It seriously makes our day. Feel free to reach out on Twitter and use the hashtag BufferPodcast. And my handle is Haley Marie. That's H-A-I-L-L-E-Y-M-A-R-I. We would be so happy to continue the conversation there. And if you'd like to hear more episodes like this about the very best in social media marketing, you can find The Science of Social Media on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And our detailed show notes for this episode are at buffer.com slash podcast. Until next time, have fun having a brand voice on Twitter.